you ever gasp in surprise? Pastor Trent Griffith says that every believer in Jesus has a story that is incredible. I was doomed as an object of the wrath of God, but God has made me an object of His grace. It ought to take your breath away. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Gospel City Church in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. So are you a photographer? Do you like to study great works of art? Or maybe you're just an Instagrammer like me. You know, experts in graphic design and art know how to use contrast to communicate ideas well. Contrast, in fact, is really important. In the Bible, God uses amazing contrasts to paint some beautiful word pictures. And last week on Resonate, Pastor Trent told us how desperate our situation is because of our sin. Today, he'll show us the glorious contrast. And if you have a Bible handy, you can follow along with Pastor Trent as he takes us into the New Testament letter to the Ephesians. So let's listen together. Here's Pastor Trent. Get your Bibles open. Ephesians chapter two, if you remember, I told you the last message that we looked at in the book of Ephesians wasn't going to resolve. It was kind of part one, part two. Well, this morning, I I promise you it will resolve as we begin to look at the breathtaking awesomeness of God's Grace. We didn't talk much about grace in the last message because as we opened Ephesians chapter 2, it's not about grace. It is about the breathtaking awfulness of sin. Do you remember how awful we said sin was? And if you remember, I said, if I do my job right and you do your job right, there should be some audible gasps as we begin to grasp the reality of the awfulness of our sin and the awesomeness of God's grace. You know, I was thinking about Christmas and being with my mom, kind of conjured up all these memories last week of kind of when I was a kid. And I was also thinking about how different my family must have been on Christmas morning and how different Rochelle's family must have been on Christmas morning. I am an only child, okay? Rochelle is one of 10 children, okay? Now, my family wasn't rich by any means, but when there's only one kid to spoil, okay, there were a lot of gifts under the tree, and there was only one name on the gifts. It was Trent, and here, Trent, here, Trent, here's the next present. As a matter of fact, I can remember as a kid, my mom would go to Sears, do you remember this, and get the Sears Wish Book. Anybody old enough to remember this thing? Yeah, they stopped publishing it. They, uh, uh, this guy is like, he's like wanting that this year. Where's the 2016 edition of the Sears Wish book? They don't really make it anymore. They have this thing called Google now. And uh, you, can, you can find everything you need out there. Amazon, there's all kinds of different places there. But I remember she would hand me the Sears Wish book and, and a pen. And she's like, Just, I need to know what you want for Christmas. I'm like, that was a breathtaking moment right there. I mean, I'd open that thing up and I would circle all the different things that I wanted and lo and behold, on Christmas morning, many of those items showed up. And do you know what that Christmas morning experience is? That is an experience with grace. The very word grace means 
gift. And God has a gift that he wants to give you that you are not worthy of, that you do not have enough money to possess, nor enough character to obtain. It is all a gift. It is called God's grace. But before you can fully appreciate the awesomeness of God's grace, you have to fully experience the awfulness of sin. So let me give you a little reminder here as we open up to Ephesians chapter 2. Let me just remind you what we studied last time. Let's begin in verse 1. And you were dead. Do you realize how dead you were? How lifeless, how incapable of having any kind of response to this God of grace. You were dead. That's how awful your sin is. You were dead in trespasses and sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passion of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. You were an object of God's wrath. That ought to take your breath away. And he goes on to say, you're not unique like the rest of mankind. Well, that's the bad news. Well, I've got three pieces of good news for you here this morning. Here's the first of those. We were dead in sin, but God makes us alive with Christ. I want you to get your eyes on the page. Look at the first two words of verse four. These two words are the words that the entire Bible hinges upon. But God. The entire story of the Bible hinges on these two words, but God, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace, you have been saved. By grace, you have been saved. That ought to take your breath away. Verse six, and he raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming age he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Do you understand the hinge on which the story of the Bible and the hens upon which the story of every person who has been saved turns. It turns on these two words. Do you get the story? Here's your story. If you are saved, you say this, I was dead, but God has made me alive. He has regenerated. He has resurrected. He has sparked life in this lifeless spirit and made me come alive, something which I had no ability to do within myself. I was deceived, 
following the course of this world. But God created a new path and woke me up to the truth and put me on a new course. I was devilish as the prince and the power of the air had infected my mind. I believed those lies, but God through a Holy Spirit has deposited it within me, a desire to be holy. I was disobedient, but God now has given me new desires to do things I once thought were ridiculous. I was doomed as an object of the wrath of God, but God has made me an object of his grace. It ought to take your breath away. Now, some of you were saved years ago. How many of you were saved years ago? If you only knew how old I was and how long ago it was that I was saved. now, Now, here's the temptation for you. The temptation for you is for that to become so familiar that it no longer takes your breath away. And if you are not still breathtaken by the story of God's grace in your life, this morning, you need a fresh experience with the grace of God and a fresh understanding that you are no better today than you were when you were an object of God's grace. We were dead in sin, but Christ has made us alive. Those two words, but God, but is a conjunction in the English language. Am I right? Am I remembering correctly back to fifth grade? Is that a conjunction? Correct. And uh, I would call that the divine conjunction. Until you have a story that includes those two words, you have not yet been saved. Do do you understand the word saved? I mean, as Christians, sometimes we use that word saved. Maybe maybe we kind of overuse it. it. It's a good word to be saved, but sometimes I think we forget the implications of that. Um, I went over to Chicago to be a part of our pastor's training center. And so my contribution was I got to teach them for two days how to preach. And so I was over there. Pastor Tyler Holder went with me and Mitchell Helmkamp with, with me. We had a fun time and I, we didn't have anything to do on Thursday night. So we went to a movie. We had two choices of, we were like, okay, are there any acceptable movies we might want to go see? We had two options. Tyler Holder's, you know, telling me all these things. He's like, okay, it looks like there's two options. We could either go see... Dr. Strange, or we could go see this other movie called Hacksaw Ridge. Guess one we went to see? Dr. Strange. Uh, Dr. Strange, which was a total waste of time. Bad choice, wrong choice. We should have went to see this other movie called Hacksaw Ridge. Do you know the story of Hacksaw Ridge? It's a true story of a World War II soldier named Desmond T. Doss. Desmond was actually a pacifist. He understood that World War II was a just war. It's just that he just didn't believe in killing for any reason. And so they actually sent him to the front lines in Okinawa. And as a medical technician there, without firing a shot and without ever holding a weapon, he saved 75 men 
in the face of enemy fire rushing into the place of death and snatching those that otherwise would have been lost forever, Desmond rescued those men. Those men, 75 of them, were saved because someone loved them enough and at the risk of his own life went into the enemy fire and snatched them from death. When we use the word saved, that's what has happened to each one of us. We have been mortally wounded by sin, and yet Christ has come from where he is, the safest place in the universe, heaven, to where we are, a place where there is disease and death and killing and enemy fire. And as a matter of fact, he lost his own life in the process of saving you and me who were formerly under enemy fire. When we say we have been saved, we have been rescued from something otherwise we would have no power to escape. We have been saved. But if you have been saved, how many of you have been saved and you're not ashamed of it? Raise your hand. I have been saved. What does that mean? Listen, if you have been saved, I hope you do not think of that in the past tense. Those who have been saved are still being saved, and one day we will be saved. Do you understand that you need as much of the grace of God today to save you as you needed 30 years ago to save you? Why? Because you sin today. What if God stopped saving you the next time you sin? Do you understand the incredible riches of God's grace and love and kindness and grace to not only save you in the past, but continually save you in the present? If you have been saved, you still need to be breathtaking by the fact that you need to be continually saved today and you're gonna need that tomorrow and you're gonna need God's grace to keep you saved every day of your life. And so we have a but God story, but we have to have that but God story going on continually throughout our lives. The Bible says here in verse six, that he has raised us and seated us in the heavenly places. I know you think you're seated where you're at right now. That's good. But in a spiritual sense, do you know that you are already seated with Christ in heaven? That's how secure your salvation is. Sometimes after church, Andrew and I get together and we find another family in the church and we go out to dinner and we've got a big family and you usually hang out with other big families and so sometimes we have to call ahead to the restaurant and we have to make sure that there are seats available. We would like to make some reservations for some seats at the table. Do you understand when Christ says he has seated you in heavenly places, do you know what that means? You've got reservations with him and you will one day, in reality, be seated with him, dislodged from wherever you're at in this world and seated with him in heaven. Can I ask you a question? Have you been saved? Have you? 
Like, well, I, I, th- I think so. I, I, I hope so. Listen, you can know so if you have a but God story. If you have had your breath taken away by the awful reality of your sin and been made alive to the awesome reality of God's grace and trusted God's grace and put your faith in Jesus Christ, you can know that you have been saved. You can have a but God story. I I can remember when I was in the 10th grade, I've told you this story many times, but I didn't grow up going to church and every now and then my family would scrape us out of bed and we would go to church maybe two or three times a year or something like that. Uh, We made a mistake when I was seven years old, we moved into a home next to a deacon at Cameron Baptist Church in Lawton, Oklahoma. And they started inviting us to church. Um, His daughter started dating the youth pastor at this church. So I would be out in the front Uh, driveway shooting basketball hopes, he would come by to see his girlfriend next door and he would invite me to come to church. And so I actually started going in the seventh grade. It was kind of boring. It just didn't really really connect. I I kept going because they had pizza and lock-ins and trips to Six Flags and girls. And so uh, that got, got me interested enough to continue to going. But when I got into the eighth grade and the ninth grade, there was a really aggressive Sunday school teacher that would not let me skip church. Phone calls, cards, dropping by the house. It was the full expectation that I would be in church every Sunday, and so he wouldn't let me miss. This past week, I attended the funeral of my stepfather in Lawton, Oklahoma. I walked into the funeral home, and guess who I ran into? Randy Sellers. Here's a picture of me and Randy. And that guy, humanly speaking, was most responsible for me hearing the gospel. Eighth grade, ninth grade, and finally my 10th grade year, I was saved. It took me that long to have my breath taken away to how bad my sin really was. Because quite honestly, I was a pretty good guy. I I was, in comparison to the people around me, I was pretty good. I mean, why did I need to be saved? It wasn't until the truth of this passage of Scripture sunk down deep into my heart that I was dead, I was doomed, I was disobedient, I was deceived, that I realized I couldn't save myself. I needed a but God story. And so as a 10th grader, I surrendered my life to Christ. I trusted God's grace, stopped trusting in my goodness, and I was saved. Can I ask you, do you have a but God story? If you don't have a but God story, you do not have salvation. And this morning, you need to be saved. Only two types of people in this room, we said it last time we were together. There are people here who were dead and there are people here who are dead. And if you are dead, you need a but God story to make you alive with Christ. Will your grace run out if 
We talked about this last week. It's, it's awful. It's crossing the line. It's missing the mark, but it's more than that. It's hating the line. It's despising the mark. I want to be my own boss. I don't want to play within God's rules. I want to step outside the boundaries. Sin kills. Sin invites God's wrath. Sin is, it infects everybody. But here's what we need to know. We want to earn salvation through work, but God wants to give salvation through faith. You make it
For by grace, you have been saved through faith and that not on your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one can boast. As I tell you my but God story, any genuine believer, any genuine Christian, if somehow he shares his story that he finally got good enough that he attracted God's favor and, and boy, we, heaven would just be such a better place if you were here. You know, you kind of hear those things at funerals and stuff and you try to rationalize why God would take somebody home. It's like, well, I guess God just needed him in heaven. No. Matter of fact, God doesn't need anything. But God wants to display his glory as a gracious God by redeeming and saving somebody as rotten and dirty as you and me. That's the story of God's grace. You make it beautiful. You make it beautiful. You Here's the story of the gospel. You didn't. You can't do enough. It's only Christ that's done enough to secure salvation. That's what grace gives me the assurance of. It is an absolute confidence that Christ has done all that's required by God the Father to put me in right relationship with Him. Are you trusting Christ? Are you trusting your resume or Christ's resume? What you have done or what Christ has done? What we learn from the book of Ephesians is simply this. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. We'll hear the rest of that message from Trent Griffith next week. I started this program talking about contrast. And today, Pastor Trent said that all of us need a but God story. Do you have a but God story? We're all born spiritually dead, just like we heard today. But when God wakes us up to our desperate condition and gives us new life, everything begins to change. And that's what happened for me. For all of us who have a but God story, there are several things that we need to keep in mind. First, we need to share it with others. Show them that there's hope. Then, get to know God better. We can do that by reading His Word and praying every day. And then finally, meet with His people on a regular basis. We need the body of Christ. God didn't intend for us to be Lone Ranger Christians. And if you haven't settled in a church family, I'd encourage you to visit Gospel City Church in Granger or in Elkhart County. For more information about service times and locations, just go to mygospelcity.org. Again, that's mygospelcity.org. And why don't you follow us on Facebook? You can do so by searching for Gospel City Church. Well, next week, we'll continue being amazed by the depths of God's grace. And I hope you'll join us then. 
Well, thanks for listening today. I'm Aaron Paulus, and my prayer is that God's word and his grace would resonate in your heart this week. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a radio and podcast ministry of Gospel City Church. Visit us online at mygospelcity.org.